2: Year to year, games are only growing in scale, and with that comes a greater chance of parts being neglected or bugs being missed. For two generations, developers have had the ability to patch games endlessly since they come out, and before, which means going gold is kind of pretty loose these days, and this even impacts some of the all-time greats. And with that being said, I'm Ben Roy from WhatCulture.com, and this is eight totally broken parts of great video games. Number 8. Basic Movement Almost all the old Assassin's Creed games. Now for the longest time this franchise was known for stalking your prey as you run across rooftops or blend in with a crowd, all with the intentions of giving the target a good uh, 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 and yes, you've got to say uh when you stab them. Make Ryan Davis proud. However, to stab these historical baddies, you first had to get to them, and this meant traversing the streets in, well, any way you see fit, and in any time period that Ubisoft selected. And as a highly skilled assassin, you'd expect them to be able to scale anything and jump off anywhere. Sounds simple, right? Well, no, when you end up playing. These games and jump off in the wrong direction and die, only to hit the pavement and turn into paste. Getting around in these early games was a really rough affair, and thankfully now these Goliath-sized games have all but fixed this issue. But looking back into the past, and it was really pretty rough. Number seven, High Road, Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy concessions had to be made for the Insane Trilogy to get it out on time and within budget so Vicarious Visions made the choice to roll all the Crash Bandicoot games into one in terms of mechanics anyway so that meant Crash 1 and Cortex Strikes Back controlled like warped now yes at first this does seem like it's best for business but it also broke Crash for a lot of players especially the first game at certain points Crash felt worse than Glover on the N64 without cries of missing jumps and seemingly being cheated as the simplest of enemies would become a great challenge the game over screen was all too common at this point but when it came to the treacherous high road you really got to know it well everything was off crash wasn't landing right and not even the trusty running the ropes trick would help uka uka was even useless such a decision to modernize crash might have made sense at first but this meant vicarious visions turned a nostalgia trip into a midlife crisis number six blood trails max pain this noir cop thriller grabbed players worldwide. It had such a captivating story to it, back when video game writing was still in its infancy. And even though Sam Lake's work was on point back then, a lot of people really remember this one for the slow motion bullet time. This game came out so close to the Matrix, it seemed like a match made in heaven. Max was out for revenge, and what really set this game apart was jumping into a fight headfirst, with two pistols blowing off everyone's face. But in some points, Max Payne wasn't all about shooting your way through an army of bad guys in slow motion. No, there was a little thing called Blood Trails. In pursuit of his revenge, players were greeted with bottomless pits, with only a tight rope of blood to follow. One wrong step to the left or right, and you were done for. And this was especially hard back on the PS2. At points, it really felt the developers had run out of time, and just needed somewhere to fill the gaps. Literally, these giant open-ended dark gaps. Now, you can kinda see what they were going for, and Remedy Games only got more weird as they went on, which is a good thing. But back then, these were just there, and brought the action to a cre- and as players try to make it through these trails, a ghostly baby cry would surround them. Sure, these were creepy as hell and built up Max's suffering, but walking the tightrope of blood just wasn't fun, and not what this title needed. Number five, pause damage, Doom 2016. Doing what nobody thought was possible, this game revived the franchise and the good name of Doomguy, as it ripped and teared onto consoles during a period when Bethesda almost took some time off from publishing Skyrim over and over again. Yes, there was actually a time they took a break from this. The gunplay was excellent and the graphics were stunning in all its gory glory, and of course the soundtrack was worth the price of admission. Mick Gordon was really harnessing the energy of hell in this one. But as players and speedrunners took this game apart weeks after launch, they uncovered a very handy the exploit. This exploit essentially allowed players to steamroll any enemy and boss whilst in the weapon wheel. By just firing the BFG and going into this wheel caused everything to slow down, but it didn't stop the damage. This meant the hardest boss was beaten with ease. Number 4 Enemy Detection – Hitman Absolution Absolution came out some six years after the now cult classic Blood Money, and at the same time forgot everything that made Hitman fun. Much like Sam Fisher at the time, Agent 47 was going through a midlife crisis, and trying to be something it wasn't. A messy development, linear levels, and a focus towards action wasn't actually the death knell for Absolution, but when it came down to it, it was the hypersensitive NPCs that inhabited nearly every level of the game. This was a real callback to the earlier games, when you couldn't hide from them at all, and they would spontaneously just start shooting you, Disguises became almost pointless, and that's because this mechanic was, well, an afterthought. And you really can't take IO Interactive to task on this one, as it came down to the endless pressure from Square Enix trying to make this as profitable as possible. This wasn't what Hitman should have been, and basically ended up in a pseudo reboot of the game. Thankfully, IO are far away from Square Enix now, and Hitman has never been better. Number 3, Interrogations, L.A. Noire. If you've ever watched a police interrogation scene, you know it'll normally come down to the good cop, and the bad cop. But when the World War 2 veteran Cole Phelps was on the case, this went out the window. During these interrogations, there would be button prompts to either contradict, accuse, or agree with the person Cole was questioning, but out of nowhere he would start screaming and try and find the truth. Team Bondi went to great lengths to ensure the player could spot any characteristics, ticks, or traits on an NPC's face. This was necessary to see if they were lying, and sadly this attention to detail put Bondi under. When all said and done, the facial capture is phenomenal. In this game, but none of that really mattered as Cole spontaneously overreacted without warning. It didn't matter whether it was a humble housewife or convicted criminal, everyone was treated the same. And if that wasn't enough, the ending was so left field it just came out of nowhere. This was almost the perfect detective game, but the interrogations, which were a critical part of this package, just let everything down. Number two, the xenomorph has two brains, alien isolation. What's more terrifying than being left alone with a xenomorph on a spaceship? Not much really. Well actually, if the xenomorph knows where you are at all times. This was thanks to the alien's AI which had two brains. One that constantly knew where you was, and one that was trying to confuse that brain. Constantly these two would be fighting as you the player would be trying to get through the space station. Just think of it like this. If the alien knew where Ripley was in the original films, it'd be over in an instant. And for a lot of players it was, over and over again. This sometimes would happen for no viable reason, other than the brain that knew where you was, won the fight, making the experience outright frustrating for some players. The Xenomorph was literally magnetized towards you, and there was no escape. And if you're miles away from the last checkpoint, well, sucks to be you. Number 1. Body Scam. Splint Cell Pandora Tomorrow. This game really is the runt of the litter when it comes to the original Splint Cell trilogy. This was really more of a 1.5 than a full sequel, as it was shipped off to another studio while Chaos Theory was being made. Some new moves were added and mechanics tweaked, but what really stood out here was the body scan, just how much harsher it was. Basically this meant after finishing a level, the game would scan the entire map to make sure you had hidden all the bodies. If even one toe was sticking out, that was it, you get an alarm. And for most of these levels, if you've got three alarms, game over! Which now of course seems way too harsh in today's gaming industry, and Chaos Theory even took a jab at this back in the day. So this meant players had to be extra meticulous to make sure that nothing was out the shadows. Even if they stuck a body down the alley, it would still be found. And worse still, this could lock players into an instant game over, which meant they had to restart the level again, or just hope their save didn't screw up. But then again, at least we used to get Splinter Cell games, eh?
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,